Manx Radio Podcasts, powered by Shaw. Welcome to this week's Countryside with Kerry Kermud and myself, Simon Clark, And a busy programme, Kerry, to slot in this week. Um, quite a bit about dogs, but Wildlife Park. Yes, Wildlife Park's been very busy throughout the winter, doing new enclosures, having lots of baby animals being born, and some new arrivals. Um, I caught up with Kathleen, who is very excited about the recent arrival of the mongoose. Yes, and they're always striving to get something that, I suppose, particularly to keep the kids happy as well. You know, the meerkats, them things sort of like that. Uh, they're trying to cope for the young ones so that, you know, it's encouraging to go there. And the, certainly the education side of what they've got there is fantastic, isn't it? And the kids are learning from it, which is great. This is it. And plus, some of these species are very endangered and we're very privileged to have them here on the island. Yeah. And of course, the Isle of Man Walking Festival is nearly upon us. I uh, speak to Sue Dennis, the organiser about how numbers are looking ahead and some changes that are afoot this year, particularly changes in dates. And it's really been an encouraging thing. I spoke to some of the walkers in previous years who have been on this and they've really, really praised it. And the great thing about it is it's not just people from off-island that are interested in going on these walks. It's local people as well, because a lot of them wouldn't have been to these places. No, this is it. And now that the flowers are all coming out in bloom, it really does look well in the countryside. Yeah, and uh, Vori Horn, you spoke to a couple of weeks ago on the programme, who was heading off with a, an Isle of Man contingent to the big dog show in Birmingham Crufts. And it was well worth her going. She's come away with one of the prizes, didn't she? She has. She's become the Young Kennel Graduate Obedience Champion for uh, 2017. An incredible achievement. And I, I caught up with her and she, she was a very happy young lady. Yeah, and uh, talking about dogs, it's that time of year where they have to be kept on leads um, near the, particularly where the birds are nesting at the the uh, Ayers Natural Nature Reserve there. And I uh, spoke to Louise Sampson, the Ayers Warden, uh, to get that in detail, just to, to keep, put everyone in the picture of what the rules are. So that's all in this week's Countryside. Here it is. Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. <laughs> It's always a busy time at the Curragh Wildlife Park, with new enclosures being built and new animals arriving. I caught up with General Manager Kathleen Graham to find out about how this winter treated the park. Yeah, we were pretty lucky really. It's quite a dry winter, right up until about mid-January, so the park was looking uh, a lot better than it usually does in the middle of winter. And of course we've got this beautiful sunshine today and the park always looks glorious in the sun. And the penguins, they're here in their new area. It's breeding season, it's right upon us. Yes, uh, we built them this lovely brand new nesting area (laughs) at great expense and um, they completely ignored it. It's been there since October there wasn't any interest whatsoever in it and they stayed on the extended beach that we put in two years ago Um, however all of a sudden they just started looking around and they've been investigating it and in and out so we've been really hopeful that they would lay eggs in the the new nesting specially designed nesting units but it seems that the beach extension that we put on at less expense a couple of years ago seems to be the main chosen area so they've started to nest there but we do have a couple that are still you can see them there just now Kerry we're outside the penguin enclosure are waddling along and they're still checking out each and every 
the nest uh, box there. So they're thinking about it. So we, we might have somebody who's going to use the, the, the new nest area. But for just now, we've got the rest of them nested on the pebble beach. So we've put up a, just a little barrier to just to keep people away from the fence line and also find fishing line right the way across just to protect from the gulls as well because they can be a bit of a problem. But there's lots of other new people around the park. You've got new arrivals. Yes, we do have some uh, new arrivals for Easter time. We've got our yellow mongoose. They're going to be sharing the porcupine enclosure. We have just got a few modifications for the enclosure. We were fairly confident that the um, barriers would be high enough, but since they've arrived and they're settling into our hospital unit, we've realised they can jump quite far. So <laughs> we're having to do some um, changes to, to the fencing just to be safe. So we're hoping to have them out for Easter. But until an animal's out and settled, I never like to guarantee it. But they are here at the park. They're fabulous. I've really think they're great they've got this kind of fox-like face and a squirrel tail but yet they kind of look like a meerkat in fact they're sometimes referred to as uh, red meerkats so we've got six boys um, they're busy and they're active so by sharing the porcupine enclosure it should work quite well they're both species that you would find in South Africa. It has worked in other zoos as well, where they've uh, mixed uh, mongoose and porcupines. And the porcupines sleep all day and use the enclosure at night, whereas the yellow mongoose will sleep in their house at night. They've got their own little house and then use the enclosure during the day. So it'll be quite good that there'll be something out there to see because a lot of people say, oh, we never see the porcupines out. <laughs> I say, that's because they're nocturnal. They, they yeah. rarely come out. They'll use that enclosure all night but mm -hmm. they, during the day you can see them sleeping in the house they've got the window there so we're hoping that will work quite well we just need to make sure that we're confident they're not going to jump out over the, the top there so we're doing a bit of electric fencing and we might need to heighten the, the barrier slightly so we're working on that as fast as we can and we'll, we'll hope to have them out for the public to see come Easter. We have a little bit of change. The fruit bats are away for a wee while and we have some new people coming in their place. Yeah, it's, it's always one of those difficult ones. I mean, we know that bats are popular. Some people don't like them, but a lot of people really love them. And sometimes you don't want to let go of a species at the park. But as you said, we're here in a wetland. It can be very windy in the winter time, And certain housing has, shall we say, seen its day. And although when you walk into the greenhouse area, it's really quite nice, the problem is the structure. And we did worry about that. And our concerns were, shall we say, confirmed not that long ago when a piece of the bat house roof blew off. And we were already talking about rehoming our bats to develop that area for a short while. So the bats have left the collection now. They've went to Drusilla's in the UK, um, another zoo, and they're going in a big walk through there with some other bats and sloths. So that clears the area now for us to redevelop for a lemur walkthrough enclosure. Now, we have had issues with our ringtail lemur walkthrough as it is because people are naughty and despite saying not to feed them, they sometimes do. But once we get this enclosure opened, we are hoping to have shortened opening times for the actual walkthrough part, which we would hopefully man with our volunteers to make sure that the lemurs are safe and that the public can enjoy the lemurs without spoiling their behaviours. So it's going to be mixed lemurs, so we're going to have our ringtails in there, the gentle lemurs will be to the side, we'll have our black and white lemurs, and we're hoping to bring in red roughed lemurs as well. 
So it will be new, modern housing, better fencing, better viewing, even when the walkthrough part's not open, hopefully people will still get a really good view of them. So it's important, I think that middle area is crying out for development really for a while. So sometimes you've got to make these decisions just to move an animal on, do without the bats for a while until we can focus all our resources really on getting the lemur enclosure right. And I think that's the approach that we're taking now is when we're building, we're building better and we're building to last in the climate. So you're open now right through till the end of the summer? Yeah, 1st of April, that's us, 10 till 6pm, right the way through to really the end of October, it's, it's till the end of the half term. And then of course we open Friday, Saturday, Sunday at the moment, we're open February half term, Christmas half term, so we're kind of open for 300 days a year. So <laughs> a lot of people think we're closed and we're like, well we're not really closed, we just sort of shut from Monday to Thursday in the, the sort of worst of the winter shall we say but yeah it is sometimes in March it's quite difficult because the weather is getting really nice and sometimes you think actually it would be quite good to get open now seven days a week but yeah from the 1st of April that's us open seven days a week right through. That was Kathleen Graham the general manager of the Corrick Wildlife Park. Interesting there the, the silvery gibbons and things that they're talking about and the new arrivals the silvery gibbons come last year of course but they're very rare aren't they and I suppose you you can't skimp on facilities for them because you don't want anything going in them or them escaping do you I mean, the odd wallaby seems to be heading around odd time but them sort of ones they need to keep there and got to look at changes all the time haven't they and that's what they're trying to do it certainly is they're doing a great job there's some fantastic animals in that park and very endangered ones that they're doing great breeding programs and there's been so many new babies born this last couple of years and you know pregnant ones ready to give birth at easter and onwards for public to see they're, they're doing a really really good job the yeah. park is looking really well yeah and it's a credit to the staff there as well really dedicated and they they love their job most of the oh time, they certainly do good all right well Coming upon us shortly is the Isle of Man Walking Festival. There's been one or two changes this year, and to find out more about them in detail, I caught up with the organiser of this year's event, Sue Dennis, and I put it to her that it's not far away now. Yes, the festival is in five weeks' time over the early May bank holiday weekend, with walks starting on Friday the 28th of April to Monday the 1st of May. This is a slight change of dates compared to normal, is it? Yes, it's about three weeks earlier. We decided to move it to a bank holiday weekend so that people could come over to the island without having to take too many days off work. What about the amount of youngsters we've had in the past? Numbers for youngsters do tend to be quite low. The average age is probably 55 to 65 which is wonderful, but it would be nice to have some younger people here because there are a lot of young people that enjoy walking. And once they're here walking, then they'll be able to see all the other adventure activities which are available for them. Do you look at brochures from other walking festivals to see what they're offering on their walks? Yes, we certainly do. And the, the one thing that the Isle of Man can offer is that we are unique. There's nowhere else, certainly in the United Kingdom, that you can go on a walk which will go from beach to summit through some absolutely fantastic countryside if you're in Yorkshire you'll have wonderful dale walking if you're in Cumbria it tends to be mountainous Isle of Wight perhaps more gentle coastal walking but here we've got a bit of everything it's a wonderful walking terrain but we've got 
great guides and enthusiastic people leading the walks in the Isle of Man Walk and Festival, haven't you? A lot of knowledge of pointing out areas as well, which is a great part of it. Our guides are wonderful. Without the guides, the walking festival wouldn't happen at all. They're all volunteers. They are extremely knowledgeable and have a tremendous love for the island. And certainly the feedback from visitors enthuses the guide, saying that they really have made the walk, the festival and the holiday. And what about entertainment? You've always had that in the past and it's been like a package thing. I mean, is that still continued or has there sort of been a bit of change to try and maybe encourage people who think that it's cheaper to stay with friends, things like that, or do just some of the walks without having to pay for them all type of thing? It's been a few changes. As I said, we have four days of walks rather than a formal registration at the beginning of the festival we're having a pop-in session down at the welcome center so people can register pick up their transport information then they're free to go off for a drink visit one of our many fabulous restaurants the last day we are still having what is hopefully not to really name the blister ball <laughs> which very much gives the visitors a chance to just chat say farewell to their new friends we have music, there's alcohol available to buy as it's at the Villa Marina. If people want to get involved in the festival, either help and, or walk in some of the walks themselves, because, like we say, there is it is popular with the locals as well. Yes, if anyone wants to get involved, either as a guide or as a walker, the best thing to do is to go onto the Visit Isle of Man website and you can download the brochure and find out all the important information or pop into the Welcome Centre and pick up a brochure. Or if they want to contact me directly, they can use the email address of irm-walkingfestival at outlook.com. And that's all lowercase. And the weather is not going to affect anyone. People uh, who walk uh, have got the gear, haven't they? Yes. And even if you're not an experienced walker, you will still find that you'll have the right type of clothing. As long as you don't wear jeans, that is very important. Jeans are possibly the worst type of trousers to wear in for walking because if they get wet, they get very, very heavy. So a pair of comfortable genos type trousers. Sturdy trainers if you haven't got walking boots, but walking boots are preferable. And go for layers. Our weather changes within the blink of an eyelid, so you need sort of T-shirts, jumpers, waterproof jackets. When do entries close for this? Entries close the middle of April. But I do need to let the guides know exactly how many people are walking. So if you'd like to come along and join us, put your entry form in as quickly as possible. We already have two walks that are full, which are the walk on Friday, the Western Coast, and the Saturday walk, the walk that has it all. But every day there's a wonderful selection of walks, dependent upon your experience, which part of the island you'd like to go to. And the walks won't be on all roads that follow the parish walk. That's one thing for certain. No, they're <laughs> quiet country footpaths. <laughs> There's perhaps one or two walks which might spend 10 minutes along a, a quiet lane, but the majority of the walks are either along the coast, our wonderful coastal footpath, the Herring Way. We have walks that go through glens, through plantations. We're also trying to have a different walk every day which will generate some local interest such as looking to see the Manx Wallabies, the May Day celebrations down in Craigneche, looking at the Laxey Wheel, looking at the towns such as Ramsey, Castletown 
little quirks that we have in the Isle of Man, such as the ferry bridge and the camera obscura. So something for everyone. Absolutely, something for everyone, and to do please come and join us. Sue Dennis, the organiser of the 2017 Isle of Man Walking Festival, and then changes of dates to try and encourage more over the, the early uh, May bank holiday weekend, Kiri, which uh, it's not a bad idea. Got to try something if if maybe numbers are down. Some great walks lined up by the sound of it as well. No, this is absolutely lovely. And this weather just recently has brought lots of people out. And in our part of Port Greenwich, there's been scores of people walking. And it's just the weather's coming right and everyone needs to get outside. And what a great excuse to do it. I think you've got a bit of red on you from the sun. <laughs> Probably have. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to cover my head up for next week. <laughs> Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Well, a couple of weeks ago here on Countryside, we caught up with Vori Horn, who was on her way to Crufts with some other Isle of Man competitors to take part in the world's biggest dog show. And, well, it was well worth a trip by the sounds of things, Kiri, because you've been speaking to her again. It certainly was. Vori came away with the Young Kennel Club Graduate Obedience Championship and I caught up with her on her return home. I know, yeah, she did it. Um, first place, so, yeah, absolutely over the moon with her. How did it feel, though, that day going into the ring? You, you, I couldn't imagine you slept the night before. No, not really, and we were up at the crack of dawn, you know, and then I felt physically sick going into it. I was just, like, kind of thinking, what on earth am I doing here, but... Isla didn't bother, she just thought it was another day out in her little world. Well, because that was it, the nerves would come from the handler to the dog, you'd imagine, but obviously Isla's taken it all in a stride. She's only 17 months old, this was a big thing to ask her. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Didn't know how she was going to cope, because obviously it was her first time competing at Crofts, but she did, she was just amazing. She took it all in a stride and did everything I asked of her and brought home the good ones for me. But Isla was against nine other competitors that day and you were saying earlier that there was no scoreboard, you didn't know what position you lay, you had to watch the other competitors, five go ahead of you. How did you feel? Yeah, I mean that was pretty tense and I don't think going in like halfway through the class helped the nerves at all. You know, we were all still in the collecting ring and we were watching each individual going in and pulling out decent rounds and thinking, come on Isla, please do this. And then, you know, we finished our rounds and then after the, the last competitor worked, it was straight into stays and then straight into the presentation with none of us knowing where on earth we were lying or how well we'd all done. And how did you feel when they announced that you had actually won Crufts? It was a, a weird feeling. Um, they did it in reverse order, so, you know, it was left down to me and the, the girl that came second and then they called her name and I just kind of, like, let out a big sigh of relief, like, knew that we'd done it then at that point, so just kind of relished in it from there on out. So this is your last year as the Young Kennel Club competitor. So what will the future hold now for you two? Because it's a long way to go back to Crufts again. Yeah, it is. I mean, we're going to carry on working the obedience um, like she has been doing. Obviously not in the Young Kennel Club anymore, but, you know, we're going to aim for the top, so we'll still be going away, we'll still be doing all the local shows, still training but foot off the gas for a little bit now, I think. But it's no mean feat going all the way down to the NEC. Birmingham, it's the world's best dog show. Thousands of people go to watch. Yeah, so um, I think the Kennel Club announced that there was about 160,000 spectators this year. Over 20,000 dogs entered. So, yeah, it, it is, really is the, the world's largest dog show. And how do you manage when you're staying down there? Will you leave Isla and the, and the other dogs in the van overnight? Or, you know, Do they get any special treatment? To be fair, all the hotels around the NEC, they're, they're brilliant when it's at Crufts time. Um, 
you know, the dogs were actually allowed in the room. So I was in a twin, so I had one bed, <laughs> Isla had the other. Yeah, she had a bed to herself, so she was absolutely loving life. Oh, what a special day out. But what was the judge looking for in particular? Because it was a very big ring you had to go in and do your work. Yeah, so she would have been looking, obviously, that... Um, you know, the dog was paying attention to us um, in the heel work, that it wasn't pulling on the lead, that it was stuck by our side and throughout all the turns and etc. For the recall, that it came straight to me, didn't go, you know, sniffing someone's burger on the way past or anything. It's straight present and then finish and same with the retrieve, straight out, get the dumbbell and straight back to me. So yeah, she would have been looking for that, just making sure that there was no discrepancies or anything in the in the round. You also did the uh, display the at Crufts. It wasn't just border collies; it was all different breeds in your team. Yeah, so we did them um, the Good Citizen Dog Scheme. We did the silver display, which basically the Good Citizen Dog Scheme. It's the largest um, kennel club scheme, and it is for any dog and any handler. So we had a variety in ours. We had obviously we had the border collies. We had a flat coat retriever. We had a German Spitz, an Australian Shepherd and a boxer so yeah no, it was a really good mix it was a really good day out and um, the display went really well everybody seemed really happy and seemed to enjoy it it was good fun but it wasn't just Isla that did winning that day there was all the Manx dogs that actually achieved above and beyond too yeah so in our class there was um, another Manx handler who um, came fifth and then on the Saturday we had um, Anne Callow came eighth in her special pre-beginners good citizen test and then on the Sunday we had Gemma Stockton and Asbo the boxer won their breed class so it was a good weekend for the Manxies, really. So you're looking forward to it, another summer of competing away and just enjoying Isla developing. She's only 17 months old, like you said. So this dog's got a bright, bright future ahead of her. Yeah, that's the plan. I mean, we're just going to carry on now. We're just going to have a bit of fun this year, still go to the shows, keep training. If she pulls home the red ones again, then happy days. But the pressure's off a bit this year. She's done what I wanted to do for the for the time being. And have you come down to earth yet, Vary? I think just about, yeah. I think it's just set in now. <laughs> it didn't hit me for a few days, but I think it's there now. And... That was Vary Horn on her return from a very successful Crufts with her dog, Isla. Great to see the owner or handler and the dog in perfect harmony in Crufts, which they have to be. And uh, congratulations to Vary and uh, Isla there with coming away, representing the Isle of Man, coming away with that, and she sounded absolutely delighted with that. It's a great honour to win something at Crufts, isn't it? And talking about dogs and obedience, of course, it's getting near the, the nesting season for the birds up around the northwest coast of the Isle of Man. And, of course, the Ayers Nature Reserve up there, the National Nature Reserve. And from the 1st of April, of course, the dogs will have to be on leads. And to tell me more about that in depth and the reasons why, I caught up with the Ayers Warden, Louise Samson. From the 1st of April, dogs have to be on leads, and that's across the entire nature reserve. So the western boundary is at the end of the concrete road at Rue Point, and the eastern boundary is between Balagheny and the Point of Air, and you'll see a boundary fence and a gate, and that's the east boundary. So from the 1st of April to the 31st of July, dogs must be on leads across the entire nature reserve. What is the reasoning behind this then? We have very high numbers of ground nesting birds here which you know is absolutely fantastic and it's what we want. So we've got skylarks and meadow pipits which make tiny little grass nests on the heathland area. We also have up to 20 pairs of nesting curlews in the heathland area and in the sand dunes. We've also got nesting lapwing up here again and oyster catchers. Some nest on the heath, but the majority nest on the beach. 
and we have terns nesting on the beach and ring plovers nesting on the beach and we've got really really good numbers which is absolutely fantastic. What's the main worry about what the dogs can cause? Is it, is it mainly dogs that are troublesome? Or can be? It can be. I'm not saying all dogs are a problem, but certainly some dogs can be. And initially, when the birds are setting up the territories, having dogs off leads, running around, birds see them as a predator, and it can displace them from actually settling and making their nests. So that's one reason why. Another reason is that they all lay their eggs on the ground. Although the eggs are very well camouflaged and the birds are quite canny and they'll sneak away from the nests if they see predators, if a dog does come across a nest, there is potential that they could eat the eggs. And then once the chicks hatch out, particularly with the wader chicks, as soon as they hatch, they're up and they're walking around. They're under the watchful eye of their parents. But they are very, very vulnerable and curlew chicks can't actually fly for five to six weeks. So during that time, you know, they're very, very vulnerable to any predators or if a dog came across them, potentially a dog could kill or eat it. Which is why, you know, we do say that dogs must be on leads. And I suppose it's a a fair one if there's some well-behaved dogs and maybe some that are a bit excitable I suppose across the board it's the easiest way yeah we can't make any exceptions you know it has to be all dogs and all dogs on leads and it's only for a four month period for the rest of the year you know eight months dogs are very welcome to walk up here off the lead but during that four month period they must be on the lead or choose alternative areas to walk what makes the airs nature area so special and interesting for the birds to want to nest here it's mainly because it is a completely natural habitat the whole of the heathland area has developed on a raised beach so originally this whole area would have been under the sea and you can see the original cliff line particularly well going from blue point along to rue point and so this is quite a new area for the isle of man and the habitats are still sort of developing so We've got fantastic lichen heath here and generally Gallic heath which is the western gorse and heather and the sand dunes. So it's all natural habitats and then we've got really good invertebrate populations residing in these areas which is food for the birds so it all All links in together (laughs) yeah. It's I suppose particularly challenging and interesting for yourself because you've been involved in it quite a while now and have things changed have you noticed much change well I originally did the job for four years and then I went away for four years and now I've come back again and over that time the number of birds nesting here has almost doubled really yeah which is absolutely fantastic yeah I mean it's a sign that the site's being managed really well and it's being really well looked after so from that point of view yeah Yeah. very good is it worrying that if if nobody was sort of designated to keep an eye on it the birds would move away Uh, certainly there's you know having dogs on leads during the bird nesting season makes a massive difference to the breeding population and also the management that we do here you know makes a big difference as well but it must be thick and thin with this job we're here today and it's a beautiful sunny days <laughs> starting off the spring but i suppose you can't just come on sunny days no no well 
you know, we work right through the year, so yeah, take what comes. The Airs Warden, Louise Sampson, telling us uh, about the enforcement coming in place for dogs at the northwest of the island, at the Airs Natural Nature Reserve, where they'll have to be kept on lead, you know, during this bird nesting season, which is very important. And, well, I suppose uh, something close to home with you about dogs not being on leads uh, down the Langness area at the moment, uh, Kerry. Very, you can see it from just first-hand experience you were there well this is it um not all dog owners are responsible and this has been the case here unfortunately with two of our lambs being killed they were the only two baby lambs out there and to come across such a horrific sight um of them lying there inside the gate was pretty awful it's only a short stretch of coastal path it's got a gate at either end advising of sheep and for this to happen within this enclosure is really disappointing What's disappointing to me is the amount of messages, the amount of people we've had on this programme trying to get the message forward, uh, you know, that my dog wouldn't do attitude. It doesn't happen like that, and it's still happening. Mm -hmm. So uh, come on, all you dog owners out here, let's just get rid of this uh, from the Isle of Man, this sort of thing happening, and uh, take heed of the the warnings that we've been given out here on the (laughs) programme. Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Well, a packed countryside with uh, various items, uh, some serious and uh, some of great joy and delight as well, particularly for Vorry and Isla there. Uh, to come in some of the Crufts, it must be a dog owner's dream, mustn't it? Oh, it's... The dog would be fairly delighted too, <laughs> it? She'd be very spoiled <laughs> after that, I imagine. <laughs> yes, but don't forget, if you've got anything for Countryside, let Kiri or myself know they have a message here at Manx Radio or you can send an email to countrysideofmanxradio.com. So until next week, from me, Simon Clark. And me, Kiri Kermit. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Don't sit in the slow lane. Join the fast lane right now with Shaw's all-new Superfast Plus Broadband. Enjoy more bandwidth, amazing speeds and the best value on the island from just £23.95 per month. So don't be left behind. Get a piece of the high-speed action with Superfast Plus Broadband from Shaw. For details, visit our stores in Douglas, Ramsey and Port Erin or click shaw.com. Love being sure. Terms and conditions apply.